Good morning, Spirit Rising. Um, all right, we are going to start right now. I'm going to start by reading um, this story, um, one that we've probably all heard many times. And Lord, I just pray for a fresh anointing um, because the Holy Spirit spoke this to me, for me, so powerfully, and I want it to bless you guys the way it's blessed me. I just, I just read this, and I literally, like, the first time I really, like, got this message, I just, like, cried and cried. It was just very powerful and such a blessing to me, so I want it to just bless all of you the same way. Um, so we need, you know, sometimes these stories become familiar, so Lord, I just pray a fresh anointing. So it said, <clears throat> when word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done? Letting all those Israelite slaves get away. And first of all, when we're moving into freedom, always the thing that has enslaved us is usually not just going to let us go. Usually, you know, we might finally have made the bold move to, to break free, but typically, you know, whatever is, is difficult or heartbreaking or whatever it is in our life, hardly ever do we just make that bold move and then just get away scot-free? Usually that thing's going to pursue us and try to find a way to re-entrap us and try to hold us down. So as is typical, it, you know, they're saying, um, you know, what have we done? Like, let's go get those slaves back. Um, whatever we're enslaved to, it'll do the same. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of the Egyptians' best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel, who left with fists raised in defiance. So I just think that's interesting. Like, you know how we all, like, muster that courage, and we, like, you know, raise our fists and leave, and then the reality of the situation sets in, and we sink, and we shrivel, you know? And it's a pattern in life. It's a pattern with people. Across. I mean, this is thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, but it's the same pattern then as, as it is now. So, um, and even when we're trying to help people get free, because I do a lot of trying to help people get free, you know, I understand that they're going to have that moment when you kind of help push them and they're going to be defiant and then that's going to chase them. And like, I, I've learned not to relax. I can't tell you how many times at the beginning I'd be like, oh, this is awesome. We're through this. And I relax. And then, you know, the Pharaoh comes chasing after them and then they shrivel up and I've come to understand this is what to expect when you're helping somebody get free. Like this is expect that and plan for it and prepare for it and even tell them in advance to expect it. You know, like you have that high moment where you're, you know, so strong and then the next. So anyway, okay, but that's not really what this sermon's about. So <clears throat> that's just a side note. Okay. So the Egyptians chased after them with all the forces of Pharaoh's army, all his horses, his chariots, his charioteers, his troops, the full force of Egypt is after these poor, pathetic little slaves. Um, the Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel completely crumble. And again, again, this is really not what the, the sermon's about, but it, is, it really is helpful to expect this from people. Um, you know, to really expect this, if you're helping someone get free from substance or a bad relationship or what fill in the blank, to expect this pattern or for, for ourselves if there's something we're getting free of because the next thing that happens is you're crushed and you're angry. A lot of times you're even angry at the person who's helping you get free because now they're mad at, they're, now they're mad at Moses. Um, so um, the people have looked up panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. 
They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves. How many people do you know who are enslaved to fill in the blank? And they're just like, it's easier to stay a slave. And you go to help them and they get so angry with you, you know? And first of all, um, those of us who are helping people like that, let's not let that intimidate us. Let's, let's not let that be the thing that lets us shut up and sit down and behave, you know, because that's exactly what the enemy wants. Fortunately, God and Moses ignored all of this um, panic. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, um, uh, so, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. And this is, the, this is really what the crux of this talk is about today. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. You only need to stay still. And I looked this up. There are many different interpretations of this. You only need to stay still. My favorite is it says you only need to hold your peace. You need to rest or you need to stay calm. These are all the different ways that this is interpreted. But the fact is, he's saying, don't be afraid, which we talked a lot about fear. Um, Don't be afraid. The Lord will fight for you. But there's one thing you need to do, and that is hold your peace. Stay still. Hang on to peace. Stay in rest. And, you know, it's interesting. Rest is not like a passive rest. Like we know, like God rested on the seventh day after he created the world. That's not that kind of rest. This is an active rest. This is an active rest where you fight for your peace. You say, I refuse to not be in peace. I refuse to forfeit my peace over that relationship. I refuse to forfeit my peace over this financial situation. I refuse to forfeit my peace over this, whatever it is, fill in the blank. And so, um, you know, we, so there's, there's two parts to this. The first thing they have to do is let go of the slave mentality because they've been slaves. This is amazing. They were slaves for 420 years to the day. I've probably said that to you before because this blows my mind. To the day. For 420 years, I'm sure they were like, God has forgotten us. God doesn't care about us. He cared so much that to the day he planned their release. Like To think that it, it seems like we're in captivity and no one cares, no one notices. It's always been like that. It'll always be like that. And to the day he had it planned, he had it perfectly planned. But they had to let go of the slave mentality. They had to let go of that. And sometimes it's really hard to let go of feeling like whatever we've been enslaved to, we've always been enslaved to it. Let go of the notion of the fact that it doesn't always have to, it's not going to always be this way. Whatever it is, whatever dynamic in our relationships, in our life, in whatever it is, we, it's so easy to be like, it's always been this way. I don't even, like, hope anymore that it will change. I don't even – I've found myself doing that in some relationships that all my life has been a certain way, and I found myself being like, you know, it's always been like this. What I had to do is let go of the um, mentality that it wouldn't change. I realized I had sunk into a mentality that it's always been like this, and I just kind of shrugged and accepted it because I've tried it all, nothing's ever changed it. And instead, I have to let go of the, that, that mentality of, 
this will never change. So anyway, it's, uh, so the thing that we, we, we have a letting go and a holding on. We let go of the mentality of whatever we've been enslaved to forever, and we hang on to our peace and refuse to let our peace be stolen from us because it's God, God does the fighting if we will hold our peace, stay in rest, not scrounging, not scrounging for it, not scrounging and trying and exhausting ourselves, holding on to our, if we would put the same effort into trusting God and having that peace and saying, no matter what, I'm going to stay in peace, instead of all that we do to scrounge after to fix the situation, you know, then God could go to work. So, okay, the, re- the, the rest of the story, let me keep reading the story. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. But he told them, this this fight's not over yet, which is really nice, because God has said that to me, and you guys know I'm in the middle of some tough years. God has said to me, this fight's not over yet. We're not done, but I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to see you to the other side. But the fight's not over yet. And I think that that, and God does that. You see that a lot in Scripture. It's a kind thing that God does. He, He tells us. It says, my great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all of Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of the Lord, who had been traveling in the front of the people of Israel, withdrew and moved behind them. The pillar of cloud, and if you don't know the story, there was a cloud that was guiding them, and they would follow the cloud, and it was the presence of God. So the pillar of cloud moved from the front to behind them, and the cloud settled between the Egyptians and the Israelite camps. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one on the the Egyptian side and brought light to the side of the Israelites. I'm going to unpack all this. And And neither went near the other all night long. But the Egyptians... And the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Just just a cloud between them. We'll talk about this. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong wind. The wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry ground. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians... All of Pharaoh's horses, all of his chariots, and all of his charioteers chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, in the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here. Away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And, you know, when I read that, I was like, God is fighting for us. God is fighting for us right now. Absolutely fighting for us. Um, you know, they, they, they couldn't believe it. You know, they couldn't. They still couldn't believe that he was truly fighting for them. I feel like that's us sometimes, right? Like, things just don't go the way we thought they would. And it's hard to believe he's really fighting um, for us. You know, it's, 
I got some. Uh, I got some devastating news on December thirteenth. We've just had, you know, it's just it's a, it's a season. And on December thirteenth, I got some devastating news that literally took the breath out of me. I had to sit down. I was just like, I can't even like. I don't even believe that this is happening. I can't even believe this. I can't even, you know. And um, I just said to God, I sat right in that chair right there. I got the news. I got the phone call, and I just sat down. And I said to him, are you for us? Like, I'm wondering if you're for us. I'm starting to really wonder if you're for us. Are you for our family? Are you for me? And, and I was just in shock, you know, because we just keep getting shocks, you know. And there's something about when you don't see something coming and you're so blindsided that you're just – so I'm like, are you even for us? And, and you know, it took me a day or two to process. I honestly couldn't even talk about it for about two days. I was like, I've got to process through this because one thing I've learned is when I'm in pain, what I don't want to do is sin against God with my mouth. I do not want to blame him or doubt him. And when you're in pain, you can easily do that. And so for two days, I was like, I'm not even going to talk about this because I've got to kind of and you know what the Lord is like, Stephanie, if, if it doesn't look the way you thought it would, if it looks like it's hurt, if it looks like it's bad, have you learned enough that I'm good to believe that what looks bad is really going to be for your good? And after two days, I could be like, yes. And we see that here with the Israelites. It looks so bad. It looks like God has taken them to a place where he's going to hurt them. It looks like God has led them to a place where at least they stayed alive in Egypt. Now they're going to be killed or destroyed or horribly tortured because you know that they were horribly tortured if you've read the story. And so it looks like they, things are going to get so much worse for them. And so, <clears throat> um, you know, I, I, I feel like I just should throw my notes away. I had so much to say on this, and I, I, I don't want to forget things that I have. You know, the, the reality is so often in life things look like they're for our bad, but they're for our good, but God lets it look for our bad like he did for them so that they're, they, they would learn to trust him, that he's good, they would learn his character. So he allows it to look like a bad situation so that we will say, I put my trust in God and God alone because there's nothing else to trust in. And then he can turn it for their good, which is what he does, which is what he does but we have to let go of the notion of, first of all, what it was going to look like, how it was going to be. I'm sure the day that they envisioned their freedom, they did not, you know, they, they knew that, you know, Moses kept saying, God's going to free you, God's going to free you, God's going to free you, God's going to free you. And all of us have things we hope for that we're waiting for, maybe a house, maybe a relationship, maybe a child being set free, maybe a fill in the blank, whatever it is. And we have a vision of what that's going to look like because we're hanging on to it for dear life. And they have this vision and this hope, and, you know, Moses has been building up their hope. And then, instead of it looking the way they had any anticipation or hope for, it looks a thousand times worse than what they came from. And that has happened in my life over and over again. Right when I think, all right, we're about to have a breakthrough, which, by the way, in this particular area, we thought we were about to have a breakthrough, and instead it got the bottom fell out. I thought we were going to finally get breakthrough, and instead the bottom fell out. We had been anticipating this great breakthrough. Well, you know, we have to, we, 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 meaning my family, all of us, we have to trust that that thing that looks like the bottom breaking out, it's not the bottom breaking out, but it's really going to lead to our salvation, which, of course, it does in the story for them. Um, 
But here's the thing. They don't even know where they're going. They're following a cloud. You guys, we've flown through clouds, right? We know it. I mean, they're elusive. They're, so Regan, when she was in kindergarten, we would drive past this field, and this huge field, and it was, there would be these huge clouds, and they would look like cotton candy, and the road would be clear, and there would be this big cloud in this field almost every morning. So one morning, and, and we'd always talk about the clouds and how they look like cotton candy, and they're so cool. So one morning I said, do you want to run and go get the clouds? You know, because she would always be like, I just want to grab it. I just, so I pull over one morning. We were always late to school, so it didn't matter if we were that much later. So we would, yeah. So I pulled over. I let her run out, and she was so excited. Her little pigtails are flapping, and it's a long field. She runs, because she, she's like, I'm going to catch it, you know, in her mind. And she runs all the way to the end of the field. She came back so dejected because I was like, she's going to be so disappointed because they do. They look so fluffy. And so she came back, and she's like, you can't catch it. It's, like, invisible. It's, and so this fluffy thing is what's guiding them. And now this fluffy thing that is so elusive. So first of all, you're being led by something that is not – um, solid. It, it's no protection. I mean, a cloud's going to protect you. It's not. It's transparent. It, clouds are elusive. And so often when we're being led by the Lord into something different and something new, we first of all have to let go of something that even if it's, even if it's um, uncomfortable and dysfunctional and unhealthy and unpleasant, it's at least a tangible thing. They at least had a tangible house. They at least had food. They at least had, knew where they were going. So we always have to let go of something tangible, even if it's a bad tangible. And we have to follow our faith, which is like a cloud. You're following something you can't touch. You're following something you can't grab. You're following something. And so you've got this, you know, elusive thing that you're supposed to follow, and you're letting go of the tangible. And it's such a – so it's a it's – a, the name of the sermon is, is let it go. But to let go, but to hold on. And you're, and you're holding on to something you cannot see as, as elusive as a cloud. Um, here's the thing. God is never leading us to a place that is not safe. He is leading them out of slavery, and they don't trust. that They, they think that the slavery is more safe. The abuse and the slavery is more safe than the safety of following him. And so often that's how we are. We feel like the relationship, the pattern of the way we've always done relationships, the, uh, you know, whatever it is, the job, the, whatever it is, it's more safe than where God's leading us. But if we really trust that God is as good as God is, then we do not doubt that where, he, where he's taking us is safer than what we're letting go of. He will always, that cloud was their safety. They would never be abused again. They would never be beaten again. They would never be enslaved again. You know, they would, they would never be starved again. He provided for them. This was their place of safety. But it felt like it was the end. Um, and so, but the part of it is that enemy has won over and over and over and over again. And when that enemy has won so many times in your life, you think, how can I, how can I really be free? They couldn't imagine that those Egyptians didn't have the power. The, the Egyptians had always been able to overpower them. The Egyptians, the Egyptians had won every single fight, 
won every single battle. They had never won once. And so the, the, the ability to believe that this time you can actually win, that this time you can actually be set free. So, um, you know, the, the mentality of believing that it can really be better. Um, and, you know, so, and the other side is you've got this cloud that's moved from the front, and now it's in the back. And now we're supposed to have a cloud protect us. I mean, these, these Egyptians are, it's a full-fledged army. It's a full-fledged, they have everything. These, these Israelites are skin and bones. They don't have a single weapon. They don't have a, and the thing that's protecting them is a cloud. I mean, this is ridiculous. When we have faith in God, the thing that's going to protect us is going to seem ridiculous compared to the weight of the gravity of the situation. And, and so that's why so often we say we want to have faith or we do have faith, but we're heavy-hearted. So, and, and this is what I really, this is the crux of the talk I want to talk today about is being heavy-hearted. Because um, I'm going to use flying as an example. Fanny and Sherry can attest to the fact. So I used to be a very adventurous flyer until I got pregnant with Regan. And then when I got pregnant with Regan, I don't know what happened, but I became afraid to fly. And I got, this, I got this horrible, and prior to that, when I was young and the plane would do this and drop, I was like, woo, this is fun. And then I got pregnant with Reagan, and I'm like, I'm dying, I'm dying. And I had some other weird phobias that happened in my pregnancy, and they all went away, but my flying one didn't, which is really bad because I, you know, have had to travel a lot. And so anyway, um, you know, Fanny and Sherry can tell you we were on a flight not that long ago, and that's not even the story I'm going to tell, but I'll go ahead and tell it. So the, um, the plane keeps dropping, and I'm freaking out. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Well, I thought I was doing quietly, and I'm praying. I thought I was being quiet. And the whole plane is like, I mean, everybody's scared. I mean, it's a scary, it's a tense thing. But I was probably the most scared on the plane, which is a great testimony to Jesus. I was like, so anyway, so anyway, at the end of the flight, this woman who's up at the front, she comes back and she goes, honey, you need such and such a drug. And she's like, and I believe in Jesus too. I said, you could hear me? She's like, oh, the whole plane could hear you. She was at the front. I was at the back. I was like, I didn't know I was doing it loud. But anyway, but that's the altitude shifting. That is the altitude shifting. And the, um, what happens is when you go from a heavy heavy to light or light to heavy, it creates turbulence. So there's a, a thing about flying and, and the weight of the atmosphere, the weight of the atmosphere creates turbulence. So when we have, a, when you go from a heavy atmosphere to a light atmosphere, uh, when you go from heavy to light, you're going to have turbulence. The so Lord was like, if you want to go from a heavy atmosphere to a light atmosphere, you are going to have to go through some turbulence. And our atmosphere is what's around us, what we think, what we believe, what people speak to us. Um, you know, when what, like the Lord was like, first of all, I've been in a heavy atmosphere, heavy atmosphere, and a lot of the heavy atmosphere isn't of my doing, of my choices, of my whatever. A lot of times we're in heavy atmospheres that aren't our choice. But the thing is, God was saying to me, you have a choice what your atmosphere is. And, 
and here's the thing. Pilots go, you, you guys know they fly above the storms, right? Because the air is lighter. It takes less fuel. It takes less effort. It's smoother. I've been on Sherry's plane, and he was like, you're higher than you'd ever go on a commercial flight because this is higher, faster, blah, blah, Because the air is easy. It's easier. It's easier. So here's the thing. That's what God's trying to do when he tells us to let go and hang on to our, our rest our peace, it's creating a light atmosphere. And the Lord was saying to me, Stephanie, there is going to be turbulence because I'm shifting your stage and situation. You know, just like the Israelites, they had to go through a lot of turbulence to get from one stage of life to something much better. But it was not easy. There was a lot of turbulence. And when you shift atmospheres, it just makes the plane go crazy. But the fact is, I can lighten my own atmosphere. No matter what's happening in my situation, the people around me can be heavy. The people around me can be making wrong choices. The people around me can be doing this, that, whatever. But I choose to enter into that atmosphere or not. And, and, and I choose what I focus on. I choose the weight, my own weight. So yesterday we went to the doctor with my mom, and um, fortunately my mother didn't seem to process the magnitude of what the doctor was saying, um, but the doctor was saying that she is not going to go into remission. She is, the pain is not going to stop. The, you know, so it was, and this doctor was so wonderful at what he said. He's so, he's so skilled at delivering bad news that he presented it as you get to do less chemo and we're just going to, it's like a, it's a disease we're going to manage. And so that's what she heard and that's what my dad heard. And so I got in the car and I kept looking at him like, so I was like, oh, this is good news. You know, like I'm, and they're like, yeah, this is good news. And then I thought it would hit him like two or three hours later and I called and they're like, well, we're just going to manage. And I was like, oh, thank God. But I'm in my car driving back, and I'm like, I feel so hard. I'm going to throw up. I mean, my mom's life, as she's known it, unless God works a miracle, is done. And we have longevity and health in our old age and our families, and I can't even, I mean, this doesn't happen in our family, and I can't even fathom this, and I can't, because we thought if we buckle down six months to a year, we do the chemo, she follows all the rules, which she doesn't, she would have her life back. We went into this believing that. Yesterday we found out that's not the case and that she's never going to have her life back. And he was like, I said, well, does she have to live in Bubble Girl? And he was like, well, yeah. I mean, if she goes out, she has to wear a mask. You know, if she gets sick, it can be, you know. So I'm just like, so I'm driving home back to get Reagan, and I feel like I'm going to just throw up. I'm just like, I just, I can't even, I'm like blinking because I really just had hope the whole time that this was going to resolve itself. And I thought about this sermon, and I just thought, Steph, what are you going to do with the atmosphere right now? I mean, listen, you know, it's just pain. I mean, it's just pain. Life is just pain, you know, and, and, you know, and I have just learned, like, you're going to have to cry. You're going to have to hurt. You're going to have to lean on, you know, the people around you or whatever. But, but the fact is, and so, you know, get the hurt. Like, let that hurt. But I've also come to understand that my hurt does not have to mean a heavy atmosphere. I don't have to have a heavy atmosphere even though I'm hurt. 
And that's an extraordinary, that's what makes us, that's a supernatural situation that nobody without Jesus has that option of. Because anybody without Jesus has the option to think positively. It's fluff. It's nothing. There's no, there's no, like, and here's the thing. I, I, I don't know, I don't know, I know God heals. We've seen so many miracles, but God doesn't always heal. I, I don't have a guarantee. You know, people are like, if you have enough faith, and I'm just like, first of all, that's true. God, God only operates through faith. So that's true. But he doesn't always operate through faith. You know, sometimes it's somebody's time to go. And sometimes it's somebody's journey. And sometimes this is just what it is on this earth. And so I, I don't, I'm not guaranteed that this is a go this way. I'm just guaranteed that if I trust God, if I trust God, he will give me a peace that passes understanding. I do not have to walk around heavy. You know, we do not have to. You know, and, and, what, and, and here's the thing. I keep watching. I mean, you guys have walked through this journey with me a little bit, but, you know, December 13th was a totally different thing, and I, I, I would like to talk about it, but I'm not, I'm not allowed to. But, you know, it's like the layers, the layers, the layers, the layers. And, and it's like Satan tries to pull you down, the weight. And there's turbulence. And I'm like, no, you're not going to pull me down. I am fighting. I'm staying up above the storm. Because the Lord says those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. And I'm going to tell you, each time it hits, it, it, it hits, it hits hard. It's painful. And you have to, like, be like, you know, you're jarred. And then you have to say, I've got to get up higher. I've got to get up to the height. And the way to get up to the height is, the scripture that comes to me is, oh, come magnify the Lord with me. Magnify the Lord with me. You know, when we magnify the Lord, listen, we can't make God any bigger than he is. We're not making God bigger by magnifying the Lord. We are focusing on the power of who he is. And when we focus on his greatness and his promises, we rise up. And, and listen, whatever you focus on, you magnify that's what magnify means, right? You focus on it and it makes it bigger. So when we focus on the hurt, the pain, the disappointment, the way you thought it was going to be, the, when you focus on that, how you thought your kids were going to be, how you thought it was going to be for your kids, you know, like so many things. When you focus on that, that be, that's what gets big. When you magnify the Lord, and I'm telling you, I'm like, God, you said all things will work together for good. You said it. You said it. And I, in, in between Winston-Salem and here, I was like, God, you've made me a promise, and I don't know how this is going to work for good, but I'm going to magnify the Lord. He is good. If, if the children of Israel would have been like, I don't know how this is going to work out, and all we have is a stinking cloud protecting us, but I know it's going to be for good. I refuse to, for, I refuse to operate in fear. I refuse to operate in the way things have always been. I'm just not going to, I'm not going back there. I'm not going back to that slavery. You know, I used to have a spirit of mourning on me. And there's a, there's a legitimate spirit that rests on a person, a heaviness, a sadness. And I used to be uh, enslaved to a spirit of mourning. That's my slavery. That's my Egypt. And I got to tell you, and I would be enslaved to a spirit of mourning with one fraction of the things going on that are going on now. And can I tell you, I'm like, you can't have me back. You cannot have me back. I do not live in mourning. 
I do not live in fear. I live up high. I live in a high atmosphere, and the only way to get up high is to magnify the Lord. You know what I've learned is I've learned that the ultimate form of faith. So when I went through the, the crisis I went through in Oklahoma, which I've mentioned many a time, God taught me faith. I didn't even understand faith before that. God taught me faith. This season of crisis, he's teaching me a new level of faith. What he's taught me is to worship is the highest form of faith. That is, like, the the faith I had before was, I believe that God's going to work it out. I believe it's going to be okay. I believe that I'm not going to be destroyed. I believe for my friend, that I believe that for the person I love, you know, and that's a, that's, a, that's a level of faith, and that was the level of faith he taught me there. He's taking me to a higher atmosphere, and this atmosphere, faith, looks like I'm not even having the belief for myself. God is good. The only thing I'm going to look at is God, God, I've got to tell you, by, by, by last night, I was worshiping God. I drove home last night with earpods in. Reagan was asleep in the car. We had gone to this Christian concert, and I had earpods in, and I was screaming praises at the top of my lungs, tears coming down. All I could think about is how good God is. All I could think about was I don't have to carry. Everybody else in the world who doesn't have Jesus, they have to carry this stuff. They go through the same stuff I go through, but they've got to carry it. I don't have to carry this. I don't have to carry my husband, my child, my mother, my father, my brother, myself, my, any of it. I just have to magnify the Lord. I look up here, and I am confident of his absolute positive goodness. And even though it looks like it's bad in the front and bad in the back, because that's how it was with him, and even though the only thing protecting us is a cloud, you know, that's all we have is an invisible, elusive faith. And that is enough. That is enough to be free to love. You know, so often we're not, we're not free to love because of fear. Or I'm not free to be joyful because of fear. Or I need to be worried about this thing. That, so so he, what, if, what if, okay, so God told Moses, put your little stick over the sea, which is what he tells us. He, he always asks us to do something, and it's always so small. Take your little stick, put it over the sea, and now it's going to part. Which, first of all, think about this. That was sand, right? They were in the desert. So it got worse. Because can you imagine winds blowing strong enough to blow the ocean up side by side? And you're in the sand. Have you ever been in the sand when the wind starts to blow? So you're being sandblasted on top of everything else. They're standing in the storm. The winds are blowing. The, the chariots are behind them. The, I mean, they're being sandblasted. Have you, have you ever felt how much that hurt? The winds, I mean, it blew all night. We often think that he put his stick over the water and the water just went like this. No, the winds blew all night and parted it until it's dry on the ground. It's a lot of wind. That's a lot of sand. That's a lot of sandblasting. So things even get worse, right? But Moses takes his one little stick and he does, he, he, he gets an agreement with what God has told him he wants for him, which is something really good. He has to have enough faith that one little stick over one ocean is enough to, to, to set free a million people in bondage. You know how hard it is to set free one child, one parent, one husband, one daughter? What, you know, I mean, can you imagine you have to set a million people free with a stick? But see, he got himself in agreement with the greatness of God, 
and he did his one little act. But what if he would have done this? What if he would have been like, listen, nothing's happening. We're just getting a windstorm. It's getting worse here. So listen, guys, everybody grab a bucket. We're going to help God. We're going to bucket this thing out of here. We're going we're gonna to make our way through, which is what we so often do. We so often think we're going to do the bucket brigade, and we're, we can't really trust God because there's no way a stick is going to solve this thing. There's no way a cloud and a stick. All they had was a cloud and a stick, which quite frankly is where I feel like I am these days. I got a cloud and a stick, you know. But so then we get in there, and if they would have all night been doing the bucket brigade, pass it down, pass it down, pass it down, they would have worn themselves out. They can't, they can't help themselves at all. When do we realize that we're really powerless? The only thing we have power over is our obedience to God and our atmosphere. You know, that's it. That's all we've got the power over, you know. And so they didn't do the bucket brigade. They put their – Jesus did his stick, and they waited. And they held their peace. And they let their captivity go. And that's all we can do. And then the miracle happens. You know what's amazing? If I were to continue to read, the very thing that was shutting them in to their prison was the ocean, and the very thing that's shutting us into whatever is the difficulty, this is what God does over and over and over again. The very heartbreak, the very husband, the very child, the very relationship, the very fill-in-the-blank, whatever it is, God will do the impossible and make that very thing that is, that is the, the torment of our life have it raised up to the right and left as a great wall. And when those pharaohs, and you guys know the story, when they got into the middle of the ocean, it collapsed on them. The very thing that was keeping them trapped is the very thing that promoted them and saved them. And they never, those, and it says that the Egyptian body is washed up on the, on the beach. Now, can you imagine? They saw the very people who once beat them probably killed and tortured their wives, their husbands, their children. You know, it was impossible. They had been in bondage forever. It was impossible for them ever. And those bodies wash up on the shore. The very thing that they were so afraid of, that ocean was the very thing that God used to promote them. And that's what God does in our life. When we will have the faith, when we will hold our peace, when we will let go of the past, then that very ocean that has been our bondage and held us captive, that's why they could never escape. They were surrounded by this ocean. They could never... It's our freedom. It's interesting. They, some scholars say that the walls around the walls of Jericho, that when they shouted their praise, which is what they did on the last day, they praised, they worshipped. And when they did it, those walls fell down, and they say that they were actually ramps that let them enter into that city and take that city. That's what it is. Our, 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 our greatest pain, if we will trust God enough with it, it will be the ramp into the greatest blessing. It will be the ocean that says you never have to see this again, you never have to. And so, you know, here's our lesson for us today. Um, and here's this, this small takeaway. We say to ourselves, what am I allowing my atmosphere to be? Is it a place of peace or is it a place of angst? Am I afraid of being left behind? Am I afraid of, it? or am I at peace? That God will give me everything I need and he will take care of everything. And, and can we say, I'm ready to go up higher, God. I don't want to live in this storm. And I have the power not to. I have the power to magnify the Lord, which lifts me up higher 
and allows me to be in that atmosphere that makes it easy, takes less work. I'm going to retire my bucket, and I'm going to, I'm going to hold my peace. I'm going to stay in rest. I will not forfeit my peace for anything. No news, no, Lord God, let me, let me rest in you. Let me have so much confidence in you, God. And let me live in that, in that light atmosphere of, of, of rest and holding my peace and letting go. Letting go. Letting go of how I dreamt it would be. Letting go of how I hoped it would be. Letting go of how I saw it going. It, God's going to take it the way he's going to take it. And it's better. It's better. We can just trust that whatever God's going to do, it's going to be better even than the way we dreamt it. If we fully surrender. Here's the thing. If we keep carrying our bucket around, that's, his, that's, that's the thing with God. God will not coexist with our efforts. So if we think we're going to bucket our ocean out of the way of us, he'll be like, all right, well, I'll, you know, I'll sit back and let you guys do that all night. You know? Or we can set that bucket down and be like, you're perfect, God. You your plan for me is perfect. Your plan for everyone I love is perfect. I'm just going to obey you, lift my little stick, let go of what was there, and peace, peace. So I'm going to end this sermon, and I'm going to pray over you guys. So let me just, um, so Father God, seal that in us. Father, I pray. Lord God, let us be in light atmosphere. Lord God, even if there's turbulence, Father God, Lord God, I just pray in Jesus' name, Father God, let us not fear the turbulence. Let us understand you're taking us out of the heavy atmosphere into a lighter atmosphere. Let us cling to our rest. Let us cling to our peace. We're going to hold our peace, and we're going to let everything else go into your hands. No buckets, Lord God. We just we release it all. It's yours, God. Our husbands, our children, our children, our hope, our dreams, our past, our present, our future. Lord, every um, loved one, sickness, Lord God, it's yours. So we offer this up to you, Father God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.